The Women in Agile podcast series amplifies the voices of outstanding women in the Agile community. We are dedicated to sharing the wisdom and inspiration our community has to offer by telling our stories, being thought leaders, and having open conversations with our allies. This series is brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. I'm your host, Leslie Morse, and today my guest is Christy Clement. Christy is the co-founder of the Agile coaching and training company, Velocity Made Good. She is passionate about work-life balance and finding joy at work. And when she's not working with clients, Christy enjoys sailing, driving tractors, and chopping down trees. Thanks, Leslie. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. The um, I've got to say that I've had the joy of talking to so many amazing people um, as we've launched this Women in Agile podcast series, um, some of which are Agile celebrities that I've never um, you know, had a chance to speak with, and other people are just friends of mine within the Agile community. And so what I'm really excited about this conversation today is that you're an, actually an Agile celebrity in my mind in a way that you don't know, because in addition to having like become a friend and have been a co-worker at times in the past, you're also the first female Agile coach I ever met. I did not know this. I didn't know if you knew that or not. No, I had no idea. And okay. so in terms of my own journey mm-hmm. as a woman in in the agile community like I remember meeting you and being like if that's what an agile coach is like she's cool like I want to be like that so um thank you for having been like a role model of mine even though you may not have known that I totally didn't it's funny that you bring that up because I was just 15 minutes ago downstairs and ran into somebody that uh that you probably worked with actually the like at Lowe's um, that I was apparently her first coach and trainer as well. And it was just like this instant connection of like, oh my God, it's been 10 years. And like, it just super exciting. And there, I love that, that instant connection. Right? Yeah. And I think that there's something about, and actually it's the first topic I want to dig into you with, because I'm not even necessarily sure I really know your agile origin story, but there is something about us agilists. And when we find it, that like these memories are just so imprinted. Mm -hmm. And the people that are part of that first exposure become very pivotal characters in our personal and professional journeys. And it's just, um, it's it's a really interesting moment. So what what was that journey for you? Oh, long and sordid past. So... (laughs) Um, I so I came from a project management background before I, I was an engineer and got into project management into IT and I was at a very small little custom development shop in Seattle and we had literally one or two teams um, and working with the one client that we had so that wasn't <laughs> risky at all no definitely but, not and we were not making them very happy at all um, we had we were we had this big go live plan very traditional waterfall and we completely screwed the pooch and just missed the deadline and you know we worked our butts off to like get this thing out and we finally got it out and the CIO at the time came up to me and said you know I heard about this thing called agile this was back in 2007 I think and uh, I think I think you should be a scrum master and here's a book and he just sort of handed it to me and was like, here you go. Now make your team agile. Right. And <laughs> Good that <luck>. was <laughs> goodbye. And, and I think I skimmed the book and it was like, all right, well, the book says we have to do stand up at nine o'clock. So let's go, guys. Kind of thing. And I was the worst scrum master in the world. <laughs> My team hated me. Like it was it was bad. And we we went out and bought some agile tool and 
like, you know, because we were way too cool to put post-its on the wall because we were a tech company in Seattle. Like, that's <laughs> we not going to happen. We don't need paper. <laughs> right, exactly. So we went, I was like leading the charge for going to buy this tool. And um, we spent a bunch of money on it. We brought it in-house, and it was terrible. We, I'm not going to say the name because I think it's gotten a lot better since. <laughs> but, um, but everybody, all, the entire team, including myself, equated Agile with this tool, and it was, like, slow. We probably didn't configure it right, all sorts of problems. And so, like, I just had this super bad taste in my mouth, and I finally left the company. I was just like, this is not good for them. It's not good for me. I went to another company in Seattle who was actually doing Agile very well, and I remember the day that I went into a sprint planning meeting, they had three, three scrum teams on the software side of things, really operating in a really great way, in a very healthy way, and doing a bit of scaled agile. And, and it was just this light bulb went off for me. Like, oh, all of these things that I had sort of been skimming through in the book or sort of halfway knew about, then it, it just, I, I got it. And it was, I never went back and ended up, hiring somebody to actually train my team there it was you know not the teams that were doing it well but I had an infrastructure team and and from there like just never never looked back really and and it is that the experiencing it and seeing it for the first time is so different than just reading about it because conceptually so much of this makes sense Mm -hmm. but actually doing it well is why people like us have jobs as agile coaches. Correct. And I lo- like I encourage every team that I ever work with to go on what I call agile field trips mm-hmm. because that made such a big difference for me to go see teams that are doing it well or kind of halfway well or whatever they're at least trying, right? And they're doing it differently than you're doing it and that's part of the magic of it, I think, is that you know, everybody does it a little differently. There's not that recipe, right? And yeah. so it's just, you learn so much. I think that's part of what I love about it too, is that it, there's just always something to learn. I'm 10 years into coaching and I'm learning new things every day. Yeah. And that, and, um, I think that's what keeps us here. Mm-hmm. Um, it, cause it's, we're, it's always being reinvented in every single way. I never would have thought I would have the same job for 10 years, but like, Yes, but yeah. it feels so different than it did. Yeah, and even ago. if when you have that opportunity to engage with a new organization, uh, whether it be a new client or you change jobs, and you're working with the team and you go back to the basics and the fundamentals mm-hmm. of like team startup, yeah. even if you haven't really done that type of work in, in a while, like it's not the same old thing. There's just, there's new ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, And with the influx of more and more women in the Agile community, I think we're seeing the industry shape and change as well. So that's sort of the other thing I always like to get curious with folks about is like, since that start in the 2007 timeframe, Mm -hmm. you you were playing in the Agile space and you were seeing it, but when did you really start identifying as um, yourself as someone that's part of the Agile community? It was probably once I started really doing, you know, after, after that second place that I was at, it was called Speakeasy, I joined the, the trainer that I had brought in to train my team was Steve Davis. And, um, and after I left that company, he, he brought me on to do training. And he said to me, he's like, Christy, I think you'd be a great trainer. I was like, I don't, I don't like public speaking. <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea, Steve. And he said, no, 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 let's just try it. And so we, we came up with this kind of, I, I was about to call it a gentleman's agreement, but we're in women and agile. So you know, a person's, a human's agreement. (laughs) A handshake agreement is kind of what it was. (laughs) To try it out for three months and see how I liked it. And, and I think still at that point I was, I was doing training and I, I was teaching people about it. And I really like sort of in some ways being the expert and, but just helping people to me, I think it's more about helping people. Yeah. 
And it wasn't until I really started doing coaching that I felt like it was that I was a part of a community as I met other coaches that were doing something similar. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. So then with that anchoring, Mm -hmm. what have you observed and experienced um, experienced as a woman in our community as well as um, seeing around the role of women in our community over these years? You know, like we've mentioned this word of community itself, like that to me is the the sort of nugget that is the that little pot of gold. Because I think, I, I look for community in all sort of facets in my life. Including um, like tractors and communities of people that <laughs> chop down trees. <laughs> we, like, we don't have a, a tractor meetup quite yet in our town, but I think it's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, we, I mean, Jason and I, my husband and I were, Um, we lived on our sailboat for eight years and that was just like such a cool community to be a part of you you go into a little anchorage with you know some other boat that you've never seen before and it's not weird to just go up to that boat in your dinghy and be like hey do you guys want to come over for dinner we're in so many other contexts in life that would be so strange to have a stranger come up and just be like hey want to come over for dinner tonight you're like what's wrong with this person right and so that that idea of kind of helping each other out and you have this instant kind of connection I think is huge within the agile community but it's particularly prominent with women in in that agile community as well because there's just that instant bond of like we have so many things in common already that it's very easy to pick up a conversation and just like run with it yeah and there's an essence Mm -hmm. that I think we all share that when we meet each other it's like oh my gosh I've known you for forever you're my people yes Yes. you're my people and like that phrase has been used in so many of these we conversations Mm -hmm. it's just I've found my people I am now home yes yeah Um, that, that idea of family yeah. too is huge, yeah, right? And I really think when is. we were all a part of Davis Base and into SIQ and things like that, that was to me it was the same thing. It felt like family. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. The um, you're building sort of a new family with this project of you know starting Velocity Made Good, mm-hmm. and I know I think there's a really interesting story because like the word Velocity in our industry and the idea of like measuring things in story points and no estimates and do we size things, do we not size things? Like Velocity can be like a heated term now mm-hmm. that people have very good um, debates at agile happy hours over. <laughs> um, but like you're leaning into that and you're like, no, we want to have Velocity Made Good, and it relates back to sailing as I understand. It does. Yep. What's that story? So it, it's funny that you say that because I did have a friend that when I first, another coaching friend that said, you know, what's the name of your new company? And we told him and he said, are you kidding me? Like, that's <laughs> such a bad idea. <laughs> but um, but it is like to us, it is a, it is a sailing term. Um, and when you're sailing, I don't know if you know this, but you can't sail directly upwind. Right, um, in a powerboat you can go directly upwind, in a sailboat you can't, um, and so you have to generally go eh, 45 degrees off the wind, and then you have to tack back and forth, and you kind of make slowly make your way to the to your destination, and and always your destination tends to be you know some beautiful island with rum drinks with umbrellas you know, and it's always right upwind, like it's that's exactly where you want to go, so it's like the hardest place to get to in a sailboat, but um, when you're doing this sort of tacking back and forth, 
you might be going at a speed or a velocity of, let's say, six miles an hour, which for us on our sailboat, that was quite fast. We were very speedy <laughs> at six miles an hour. Um, but what velocity made good is it says, you know, it's not about how fast you're going right now. It's really about how, how fast you're going towards your destination. So um, you might be going six miles an hour, but you might only be making four miles an hour towards that island with the Because you're tracks. moving at a diagonal, at not angle. in a straight line. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so it's to me, it's very applicable to to teams because we we do we always use this this measurement or this metric of velocity and you know I think executives and leaders and, and people grab onto that because it's like the only data sometimes that teams have uh, but the question that we should be asking instead is not how fast are you going but are you going in the right direction and so we work with a lot of teams yeah, to velocity really for velocity's sake is Pointless. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. And so it's more about what business outcome are you affecting, right? Are you are you helping your payroll team get more automated, or are you, um, you know, really helping, I don't know, accounts payable folks do like get get invoices out, you know, with a cycle time that is half of what they have now, or something like that, right? Um, so it's to me, it's a, it's about coming back to that customer metric, and then. Um, and that, that to me becomes your sort of velocity made good. Not, not how fast are you going, but are you affecting the right thing? The other interesting, I'll add one more little thing. Feel free to cut this out. <laughs> um, but in sailing, you can often go faster the further off the wind that you're going. So instead of going six miles an hour, maybe you're going eight miles an hour, but actually your velocity made good goes down. Ah, so this idea of... Um, uh Go, the being seemingly busy does not necessarily mean that you're making any progress. Precisely. Yes, yes that's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yep. Um, ah, that's like a whole nother thing we could talk about. Do I want to pull that thread or not? <laughs> um, I'll actually use it as a lob. A lob? <laughs> a lob to a new topic. So okay. um, people in organizations that sometimes often seem busy, mm -hmm. but to the large larger organizational community may not feel like they're often getting much done are leaders. Because mm -hmm. um, leaders are often buzzing around doing lots and lots of busy things yeah. that seem to be important but may not be necessarily totally transparent to, to everyone else uh, in the organization. Um, and I know servant leadership is a topic that you're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. In fact, you're speaking at Southern Fred Agile this year and um, that's the topic uh, that you're, you're digging into. Um, what are some of your thoughts on servant leadership? It's a term we throw around a lot in the agile community mm -hmm. and I think as a result it's become kind of diminished mm -hmm. um, so so how are you leaning into it so to me and th what this talk will be about at Southern Fried Agile is you know hey we we talk in really broad and generic terms about what servant leadership is that we have to empower our teams and that we have to be collaborative as a leadership team and and transparent and sort of and really kind of follow the principles ourselves but we don't necessarily talk a lot about how we do those things like how do you actually shift the culture to be a fail fast culture or a learn fast culture that's a really hard thing to do right um, and and so to me what I what I spend a lot of time with leaders doing is kind of coming up with those ideas of how we're actually going to implement um, and that's what the talk is going to be about it's really a workshop to um, to get people's ideas based on here's the thing Lots of people, and probably every person that we'll ever talk to, has had 
amazing experiences with leaders and terrible experiences with leaders. And so it's really sort of tapping into, like think about those people that have really inspired you as servant leaders in your past and what what kind of actual tactical things have they done to demonstrate, model, or enable teams to be empowered as an example. And you're working with an executive team right now where you're actually putting this in action. Mm-hmm. What like stories are great. Like, what's the story you can tell about it? Yeah. So um, this. So we're doing a transformation, and um, and this executive team basically, we've we've gotten them to to say yes, we're committed. And and I said, well, great. How committed are you? <laughs> right. And they said, well, oh, that's a good question. So how much time are you willing to actually put to this? And they decided that they were going to spend fifty percent of their time. Fifty percent. Yes, they spent but Monday through Thursday. I, I wish we had video here. Like my eyeballs, I think <laughs> I know, just right? took up the entire space of I my know. forehead. <laughs> yeah, Monday through it's almost fifty percent. Monday through Thursday, they spend every morning together in a collaboration room, and we're working through the transformation backlog together. And and it, like just you know, we create actual user stories with acceptance criteria, and you know, we've got like the transformation roadmap, which is pretty typical, but just the the sheer amount of time that these guys are really dedicating to it, and in the Let's see. We just finished our second sprint, and they are—they just—they love it. They really start to see the the value of it. This is a leadership team that I would never have called a team before. They were really—they had created their own silos, and um, and their departments were sort of had a lot of tension with each other. And now these guys are working together as a team, and so it's really in two sprints, it's starting to transform already the culture in the department. It's fascinating. Yeah. So what's like the word around the water cooler and like down the hallway as the leaders have started this shift? Um, what people are really interested in is the transparency. So they, you know, because they're running Scrum, they're doing a sprint review every two weeks, and and like, you know, their board is up on the wall, and and so people come into the room all the time and just kind of check out what's going on, and we talk about what the vision is and why we're doing it, and it's just this very um, the way the leaders are communicating is um, is very on point with each other. They're very well aligned, and I've never seen that quite as dramatically as I am with these guys. And I think it's the sheer amount of time that they're spending together and working as a team. And what would, had, relating this back to that idea of servant leadership, like mm-hmm. what are some of the tactical things you're seeing sort of servant leadership in action yeah. there? Because I think this is a great time to share some of those stories, but like, ah, oh, this is how I know I'm seeing it. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've talked for years, you know, with leadership about let's create an impediment backlog and let's work that as a, as a leadership team. But it, I feel like it's never really, truly taken off with a lot of clients. Um, you know, they sort of work it and they think it's a good idea, but they've always they've got so much time to do their old jobs kind of thing. Right. And and now this is an opportunity. So the teams are all kind of coming up with whatever their impediments are. They're trying to solve them on their own. But um, if they can't, those are getting prioritized through the Scrum Master community of practice because that's an opportunity for like every team to have a representative. So basically the teams are are the customers of this uh, transformation team and um, they, they prioritize the impediments. Those impediments go onto the leadership backlog as a part of the entire transformation backlog and just like they get to work that stuff and and really get to see like this stuff getting done right um one of the other coaches there um said said to these leaders if you're if you're not working impediments what are you doing oh i know i thought that was really a great powerful question yeah yeah 
right? Like as a servant leader, that's what you, you should be clearing the way for, for your teams. That should be your primary responsibility. But, you know, very often it's so much time spent on reporting and, you know, performance management and all these other things that we have going on. And you have to ask yourself, how valuable are those things? Yeah, absolutely. The, um, there's life lessons learned in that as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's also an interesting thing about our Agile community. Like, and I realize I'm making up a story here. Like, if we were all accountants, I don't know how much about like digging into our accounting topics and concepts and things that like also translate into our home lives mm-hmm. and, and the way we live as people yeah. and, and make a difference there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's something about the work we do and what we're called to as agilists that's not just a thing for work. It makes a difference at home. And I think watching, having had the, the joy of watching leaders go through some of these changes, like what you're describing in the past, like they tell those stories about, and this thing at home is better. Yeah. Um, and so personal agility is something that we all end up sort of talking about. Um, and in your tree chopping and tractor driving, um, which was happened to, I know, be involved with building a house. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've got some good stories of personal agility that, that folks might find interesting as well. Oh, do we ever? Um, <laughs> so yeah, so we just, I wouldn't say completed. I'm going to put air quotes very much around that, but we it's came up MVP. with the MVP of the house. Yeah, yeah, basically. MVP was enough to move in. So we were, we were living in a fifth wheel on the property and, um, um, which is not as fun as it might sound, actually, in the winter in Seattle. Um, <laughs> but so as soon as a, the bathroom was done in the house, for example, we were like running over every time we had to go to the bathroom. And, um, you know, got, the shower was like a big deal, you know, having hot water. <laughs> so we didn't have to uh, use our six gallons of hot water and have a five-minute shower kind of thing. So we, we actually moved into the house incrementally, which was fun. Um, as soon as the couch and Netflix uh, had arrived, really, we saw work slow down quite a bit. But um, <laughs> at that point, were those features like, oh, they weren't technical debt. They, um, I don't even know how you classify those, but like you could have prioritized those differently. We absolutely could Based have. on like what your first release really needed to be. Yeah, yeah, and it turns out Hot Tub was part of the MVP. (laughs) This sounds like, um, when you think about uh, Kano analysis and we talk about satisfiers as the things you only notice when they're not there, it's like, I bought this amazing car, it's got all of this great technology, but there's no carpet on the floorboard. It's like that this is the manifestation of that in in home building. Totally true. Totally true. Yes. We, um, I'm trying to think. Yeah. I mean, who knows when our bedroom is going to be done. So we're living in in the guest bedroom at the moment. And, um, you know, you know, what was very helpful for us actually was setting a date for the housewarming party. Um, fixed date, fixed date, fixed date, floating the scope. Yes, you can't have fixed date, fixed scope. Yes, that is not reality. <laughs> no. And at first, I thought because we set this date six months ago, thinking that some of our friends from Australia were going to come up, right? So, you know, all right, we're, we got the date was set literally for six months in advance, and um, and I thought easy that we're going to totally the house is going to be 100 percent done and then you got netflix and then 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 you got got netflix Netflix. exactly (laughs) but 
it would like I, I think there is certainly something to I think a lot of people complain about leaders setting dates and it's it's one of those things that people know when you have a fixed date like that that you're gonna actually scramble a bit and really have to prioritize what you actually have to get it does done. it is a forcing function mm-hmm. around making real decisions over feature X or feature Y. That's correct. Um, And while I've coached lots of agile teams and I've played the role of business analyst, sort of bringing that expertise into agile teams in the past, I'd never actually been a product owner. And I'm having the the joy, the true Mm -hmm. joy of getting to do that now. Um, Because it's sort of thrilling about like, wait a minute, hold on do I really need this? Because like, there's so many things that sound cool, but you're like, is that actually going to give me value? Mm-hmm. Um, and it opens up sort of different ways of thinking and I, and just critical thinking skills in ways that, um, you never thought of. And then having those conversations with the team around when they start describing, I'm like, Oh, that sounds really complicated. Maybe I don't need that anymore. Right. Um, yes. and that is a, that is something that I think we need to embrace in our personal lives a little bit more. Cause I think sometimes we end up with lovely ideas of things that we want to do and we end up sort of pot committed to these projects in life mm-hmm. that, you know, it's okay to abandon it. Yeah. But maybe not we, kids like that would be, yeah, a bad that one would be a bad abandon, one but... to abandon. Yeah. <laughs> But other sorts of things right. um, that you know, I put it on social media. So, I, of course, I must do it because I've declared to the world that yeah. I'm on this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe that's just more complicated. We need to cut that story and move on to a different one. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so, did y'all, you had a fixed date. Was it Kanban? Was it Scrum? How did y'all break down the work and do the planning? It, we did Kanban. So, we actually, uh, years ago, when we were first starting to think about the house, Um, It was very frustrating to us because we're both agile coaches, right? And the fact that the permitting department made us, you know, basically do waterfall requirements on the house and permit the whole thing at one time was a real bummer for us. (laughs) But um, Maybe they should have been a client. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll get to that, King County. We'll get to that. Um, (laughs) But, but yeah, it was. So one of the things that we did was instead of doing a fixed uh, fixed bid contract with our GC, we did time and materials. GC general contractor. General contractor, yes. Um, we did time and materials with him, knowing that we were going to change stuff, right? And knowing that we didn't want him cutting corners on quality, that we we just there were questions that we had that were unanswered. So we did things like that. We literally had a Kanban board. Oh, we wrote user stories very early in the process um, with acceptance criteria around things like. I want a good party house, right? And what does that mean? You know, my How acceptance you know criteria yeah. is, you know, that like, you know, lots of people, lots of small groups of people can be having conversations in the house and that we'll have enough parking and that, you know, when we're when we're cooking and doing the dishes after a dinner party that we're still a part of the conversation and things like that. Literally writing these user stories. So it was really interesting to go back because this was over the course of years that we sort of bought the property and, you know, really spent time getting the property ready and finding a design. And now we're probably five years in. Um, So every once in a while we go back to those user stories and just say like, okay, do we need to change anything based on sort of that original vision, either the user stories themselves or the design? The best part that you're describing here, Christy, is actually leaning in and challenging the status quo of how contractors would normally contract Mm -hmm. for stuff. Because I think we face that right as agilists and all these times like, oh, this just doesn't feel right. There's got to be a better way. Like 
we'll make a better way. Take that risk. Have that conversation because you, maybe you can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then actually experimenting with those kind of ideas at home, let you practice with it in a safe way, and then actually taking it back to work (laughs) and having conversations about like, we can do this different. I just realized we can over here, so let's make that reality um, at work as well. Um, Before we start wrapping up today, I wanna know, what are you doing? I love to inspire listeners with ideas for like how they can grow their their own professional development. Okay. Um, And sort of what what is it you're doing to hone Christianity to be the best Christie. So I, one of the things that I really get passionate about is as a part of building a high-performing team, making sure that people have really um, strong conversations with each other. And I heard something recently that we should, you know, we could have unhealthy harmony or we could have healthy conflict. Mm -hmm. And so that idea of having healthy conflict is a big thing that I really um, try and enable teams to do. And to that end, I've been spending a lot of time this year doing DISC and learning about DISC um, and, and implementing like communication workshops with teams and things like that so that they, they start to see when, when there is conflict or we have different um, behavioral styles as an example, it's not that that's a bad thing. It's we have to appreciate the strengths in other people. And I just, I love that idea, right? And I, and I think that's hard sometimes when you have tension or you're very different from somebody to see that as a strength. But if you start to shift your perspective, it's, it's an incredible thing and it's really powerful for teams to be able to do. So DISC is a big one. And just, you know, things like crucial conversations, I'm always, always, always pushing myself and practicing just having hard conversations with Lean people. into that sticky mm-hmm. topic. It's yeah. a, it is absolutely like training our physical bodies to be stronger. Mm-hmm. Leaning into conflict in those healthy ways only happens when you strengthen that muscle over and over and over again. And no, you're not going to be able to go pick up and deadlift 150 pounds right. in the first conversation. Yep. So like, what's that small topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you what's can that incremental into? approach? Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, for Agile Amped, mm-hmm. um, in support of the, the Southern Fred Agile Conference, I had a conversation with uh, David Marquet because um, he's the opening keynote for the yep. conference this year. And he talked about a great way for leaders to start practicing practicing um, letting go of control mm. is when you go to dinner at night, allow the server to pick what you're going to eat. Oh, they it. have the I competency yep. and right they're the experts in that restaurant and the menu and all of those things. So we said it, it forces you to be clear, mm-hmm. right? What am I allergic to? What am I not allergic to? What are my preferences? What do I like? Do what I not like? Guardrails? So with yep. that clarity, you trust their competency and then yeah. you're able to let go of control. It. And it's like, and yeah, you're going to feel anxious and you're not going to know what you're going to have for dinner and all of these things but it's like it's that idea of like practicing some of these ideas mm-hmm. in small safe ways like you know the odds are like you might have wasted 30 bucks on a dinner you didn't really love but you know it's a way to to, to practice with it and play well and then you learn from that right of like what what's the additional rule or constraint I'm going to put on the next time right yeah exactly yeah um how do I make sure I do it in a way that's safe where they feel comfortable doing it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um it is well so it's yeah. um all these ways that everything can kind of transcend multiple topics. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to think about, yeah. well, I don't have to think about what I'm going to have for dinner tonight. I just have to think about what are those constraints. Yes, right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Any final wisdom you want to share with folks, Christy? Um, I think just kind of back to the, the VMG conversation of 
Velocity about, made good, VMG. Yes, yes. You're, you're heavy with acronyms I today. Know, I know. I'm coming from a government client, so, you know, that's what they do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, really, those listeners that are kind of thinking about how fast can we go and how efficient can we be instead of having those conversations, really think about are we headed in the right direction? What are those business metrics that we're really trying to affect? And and are we measuring them and are we having an effect? And yeah. it will probably significantly change what you're doing. Yeah. It, that takes velocity made good to outcomes made good. Yes. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Awesome. Christy, thank you for chatting with me today. Thanks, Leslie. It was great to, to have an opportunity to sit down and talk to the very first female Agile coach I've I'm ever so met. I'm so humbled. That's so cool. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. And thank you for listening to this episode of the Women in Agile podcast series. It's brought to you in partnership from the Women in Agile nonprofit organization and Accenture Solutions IQ. We hope you've learned something new and invite you to tell a friend or a coworker about the podcast. You can always go online to womeninagile.org to learn more about our initiatives and find additional inspiring podcast conversations. Thanks for listening to this Women in Agile podcast episode. Find more inspiring conversations by visiting womeninagile.org slash podcast, checking out the podcast series on iTunes, or visiting your podcast application of choice. If you have an idea for a topic, speaker, or feedback on an episode, please reach out to us via email through podcast at womeninagile.org.